Tonight we're going to, the second part of Jesus and culture, and tonight is different than the rest. You see, too many times, like we talked about last week a little bit, is that we try our best to just fit in. We try our best just to try to not stand out. But tonight we want to look at exactly even some of the disciples themselves fought with this. And we're going to look at that very tonight. Tonight, this comes from the heart of Jesus' ministry. He had already called and sent the 12 out. John the Baptist had already been murdered. Jesus had already fed the 4,000 and 5,000, walked in water, performed many healings and miracles. But Jesus understood that, you know what? He had many followers and a lot of enemies. You see, too many times in our own lives, this is us. You see, today, the culture most of our students engage in is this one full-fledged meism, where it's all about us. It's about me. What can I get? As we know, we live in this selfie era, where everything is a selfie. You know, we have to get there. And I mean, we go to an extent of making a selfie stick, where, you know, it ain't enough for me just to put it there, you know, in my hand. I got to get my selfie stick so we could just look so cool with a selfie stick. You know, someone's making millions of dollars on that just to have a selfie stick. How many of you have a selfie stick? All right, see? It's a thing to do, have a selfie stick, right? But that's the type of, huh? You're selling, uh, Ivana said she's selling a selfie stick if anyone wants one. Brand new, okay? Thanks, that's the advertisement in the middle of a message. All right. And though adults shoulder our share of the blame for enabling and allowing much of the business behavior, even oftentimes mimicking it, the truth remains culture sends quite loudly the message that our own interests trump the interests of others. You see, a lot of times we don't worry about people around us. You know, for me, one thing that always comes to my mind is especially, and I know that our culture, when we see someone who is on the side of the road, who is begging, sometimes we look at them and think to ourselves, well, we're so much better than them. You know, why can't they just do something else? How many of you ever thought that way? That you're better than them on the side of the road? Be honest. I've done it before. All right? You think you're better than them. But you know what's sad about it? It could be us. That could be you and me. Apart from the grace of God. Too many times, like I said, we make it all about me. All about us that we live in this selfie era. Tonight we're going to look in our Bibles to Mark chapter 10. And like I said, I want us to understand exactly this isn't just something that started today. It's something that started many years ago. I want you to think for a second, and I want you to just think of these, these little statements I'm going to say. Following Christ faithfully means oftentimes we won't fit in with the rest of the world around us. That's, we are called by Jesus to be in the world, but to live separate from the world. That it's helpful to be honestly evaluating our relationship with culture, and our choices, say, we more strongly identify with Christ or the world. 
I want you to think about it a second. I want you to think of your phone for a second. And this is the one time you can actually pull out your phone in youth group. I'll give you permission to pull out your phone in youth group. All right, pull it out. And I want you to go to your music. I want you to ask yourself this question. If someone had to pick up your phone and they didn't know whose phone it was, they couldn't see no pictures, they only looked at your music, who would they say you identify with? Would they say you identify with Christ or you identify with the world? You see, too many times we think, we say we're Christians, but we're not filling our minds with things of the Lord. We fill our minds with things of the world. And I know we justify it so many times. Well, you know what? This song isn't that bad. There's no cursing in it. It's a good song. It's very popular. How many of you have ever been in that situation where you justify a song to your parents while you listen to that song? If you got anything Snoop Dio double G in your phone, it ain't good. All right? So don't even try to justify that. All right? Or Snoop Lion, whatever you want to call him now. But tonight, yeah, you can put your phone up now, right? Put your phone up. Because that's, those are the type of things how we really know who we identify with. If we looked at everything in our lives and say, what do I fill myself more with? Things of the world or things of God. Mark chapter 10, verse 35 and 36. And we're going to look at these two verses first. It says this. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? Think about that for a second. Do we know who James and John are? It was three of the disciples in one circle. You remember who they are? Who were they? Peter, James, and John. All right? Here's James and John saying, you know what? It's not like I'm asking Jesus, hey, what can I do for you? What are they doing? Asking him what? What can you do for me, Jesus? Does that sound familiar to us? That we go to Jesus and say, Jesus, this is what I want you to do for me. I want you to do this for me, you know, and, and if you do this for me, I will do this for you. You know, it's just like my little daughter. You know, when you're a child and, and anyone, anyone have a little brother or sister in here, you know, you may know, but what happened to children? Usually, they're annoying. That's what, no, my, my daughter's not annoying, okay? But what happens is they will come to you or you'll ask them to do something. Mercy, can you do this for me? I will do it for you, Daddy, if I get this. If I could do this. In fact, we were talking to her. We actually planned to go away in November. And we told her we had to get a passport straight. And if you know anything about passports now, it's a big trouble to get. But we told her she might not be able to go away with us. But she would go away. We won't leave her here, but we just told her there might be a chance. And she's like, 
Well, I'm going to send my list of toys for you all so y'all can buy all these toys for me. All right? She didn't say, okay, you know, I'm upset I'm going. It was all about, I just wanted toys. You know, you bring these toys, we'll be fine. But this is how we are. You see, even though Jesus had an especially close relationship with James and John, this is a pretty forward question to be asking. While we probably can't read too much into it, it does leave room to wonder at this point if they truly understood who Jesus was. Here it is, they're asking the Messiah, Jesus, hey, can you do this for me? Verses 37, 38. And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Now, we all hear about sitting at the right hand and the left hand, right? This is what they're asking. Basically, they're saying, this is the king. They want to be on the right and left of Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying, look, do you know what you're asking? Do you understand what that's going to take in order to do that? What did Jesus go through? Did, was Jesus the perfect man's life on earth? Was it easy? What did he go through? A lot of things like what? Crucifixion, suffering, beating, um, spit on, you know, the list goes on. He went through all this because he loved us. Here it is. They're asking, you know what? We want to sit at the right and left hand of you. That's what we want to do. How many of you ever had your parents say that to you? Do you understand what you're asking for? Anyone ever had their parents say that to you? Like you ask them for something to say, are you sure you want that? Maybe some more responsibility. Maybe some, you know, you know, think of for a second the prodigal son. What did the prodigal son ask for? His whole inheritance. And what did the father do? Gave it to him. Said, here, you know, this is yours. Do what you want with it. And what did he do? Squander every piece of it. What happened in that whole situation? Did the father say, I don't want nothing to do with you anymore. Don't come back. No, what did the father do? Open arms. Actually, it says he ran to him. That's the type of love the Father has for us. That he's pursuing us. That no matter what we do, he's there for us. While we may not know exactly, again, what they were asking because of the differences in ancient Jewish culture, our culture today says this. You can probably guess the meaning of what they're asking. James and John were asking for the two highest places of honor, which is in the kingdom. Many Jews expected the Messiah to be a political, military ruler, so their brothers may have very well been asking to be co-rulers, which is in his kingdom. We don't know exactly, but they were understand that they wanted to be rulers. They wanted to be there. They wanted to be on the top. Next we see in verses 42 to 44. 39 to 41 said this. Go, go back for a second. Sorry. Back. And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, 
you will drink, and with the baptism which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left hand is not mine to grant, but it's for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard, they began to be indignant at James and John. Verses 42 to 44. And Jesus called them and said, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. You see, before any of us could think about leading, we must serve. When we think of Jesus, he was the greatest servant leader you will ever see. Because here it is, the perfect man to ever walk the face of earth. No sin, nothing wrong with him. He did nothing, absolutely nothing wrong. But yet he came in to die. In fact, Jesus did something that I would, I could be honest with you, I wouldn't, want, I wouldn't do that right now, probably. I, would, I wouldn't tell you all, take off your socks and let me wash your feet right now because I know some serious tojamania. But when you sit and think of what Jesus did, Jesus first understood this. Look, before one must lead, he must serve. Let me ask a question. Some of you are leaders. Some of you may be leaders on your sports teams in school. Some of you may be leaders in other um, arenas and different things. But I want you to think of this for a second. I know when I was on a softball team at Kingsway, the greatest school ever, no, the greatest softball team ever. All right? We had this whole tradition. We had this whole tradition that when you were in grade 12 or when you were grade 9, whatever one you was, when it was after practice, the rookie would always take the bike. You would never catch the senior player on the team or the starters on the field to be taking the ball by. That just never happened. Never. You know, it's just like, you just don't do that because that's for, that's for the benches to do. That's for someone who don't play to do. You don't take the bike. But you know what Jesus is saying? Look, even though you're the star of this team, you should be the one taking the bike because you must lead by example. You must not say that, you know what? I'm too big for that. I can't do that. Huh. You know, that's, that, that's someone else's job to do. What does he say then in verse 44? He says this. And whoever would be first among you must be a what? Slave of all. What's a slave? Huh? A laborer. What does a slave normally have over them? I don't even want to repeat what he just said. I won't even say it. I, 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 let's not say that again, please. No, don't worry about it. If you didn't hear it, don't worry about it. I don't even know how to get my train of thought back now after that. But anyway, a slave usually has a ruler over him. Wow. And now everybody knows the words passing back. Oh, man. That was, that was bad. But we must be slaves of Christ. Servanthood. We are to serve others, putting their needs before us. We must understand that, look, it's not about my needs. 
It's about the needs of others. It's about what, they, what I can do for them. If I call myself a Christian, I must wonder and, and try my best to do what I can to bring honor and glory to Christ. And by that, I serve others. <coughs> Let me ask a question. How many of you have had an opportunity to serve somebody, but you didn't? The opportunity was there for you to serve, but you didn't. I'm not talking about let them cheat off your paper now, not that type of service. But you had an opportunity to serve someone. But you didn't. You know, the thing is, that's because sometimes we get too busy and we get caught up in thinking everything is about us. The last verse we want to look at is this. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus himself, again, the perfect man, the perfect living being to ever walk the face of the earth, the only one who can claim that came to serve. In the world's eyes, in culture's eyes, that's not what's supposed to happen. In the words of culture, as we look at it, you know what Jesus would be doing? Calling all the shots. Telling people what to do. Okay, I need my shoes shined. Do it now. That's how, the, that's how the culture would be. Yes, Asha. Okay. His sandals, his feet, whatever it could be. All right? Whatever it was, Jesus could say, you're supposed to be serving me. Do whatever I tell you to do. But no, he came here to serve us. He came here to be a ransom. He came to die. He laid down his life for each one of us. How do we repay him? By being selfish beings. Like I just said, you know, I, I said earlier, you know, we, I asked you, how many of you did your devotions this week? And, I, and maybe do another devotion. I, you know, if you do another devotion, all the power to you. You know, that's great. But you know what the, the sad thing is? We could find time for everything else in this world. But when it comes to, ju- and I'm saying these devotions are only maybe take you five, ten minutes. We don't have time for that. But we got time for everything else. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2 says this. I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Paul is saying, look, you need to walk in a manner that's worthy to be called a believer of God. Understand that, look, this isn't just a title that we have that we call ourselves a Christian and that's it. This isn't about us wearing a name brand across our, our chest and saying, Nike. But you have now been labeled a child of God. Walk worthy of it. Don't give him a bad name. How do we do that? By being humble. By looking out for the other interests of others. So tonight, how do we apply this to our lives? A couple of questions to think about. How selfish of a person are you? If I had to actually put that on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being selfish, 1 being, you know, not selfish. I don't want you to answer a lot. I'll be in your, this will be some questions in your small group, and I want you to be honest. Number two, do you really care about others? And I can't count. I put one, two, three, one. 
All right? Do you just do things to be seen by others? And do you struggle with being in charge? You see, the question for us tonight is this. Are we willing to humble ourselves for God? Or do we just allow culture to, 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 to take, dictate what we are? That we want to be leaders. We want to be in charge. We want to call all the shots. I challenge you tonight, let's be like Jesus. Let's humble ourselves. Let's serve. Let's be a servant. Let's do all that we can to bring honor into him. And how we bring honor is to do exactly what he did. And he came here to serve others.